0: Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is Shareable. Remember, if you like this episode, think about who else you know who would like it and share it. It might even start the conversation that changes the course of your life. My guest today on Shareable is Dr. Carla Fowler, and she's an MD, PhD, and an elite executive coach. For the last decade, she's been a secret weapon for scores of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other senior leaders. Carla's unique approach combines the latest research from performance science with timeless best practices to help top performers level up and achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. This episode was like, this is what I do this for, is to talk to people like Carla. We talked all about high performers and what they do differently and some of the mistakes that they make. Uh, when they're, you know, when people are trying to improve their performance, we talked about the top three principles from performance science that can help anyone perform better. We talked about tools that Carly uses with her, with her, uh, with her coaching clients. This was undoubtedly one of my favorites. So I really hope you listen to this episode of Shareable. It is like it is packed to the gills talking about what it takes to improve and level up. So if you're someone who's interested in unlocking your potential in, uh, in digging in and, and figuring out ways to grow faster, better, stronger, etc., this is definitely the episode for you uh carla's story is also really interesting she was a delight to talk to I'm definitely gonna have her back so uh this is this is the first episode with what's going to definitely be a repeat uh, guest here on shareable so I hope you check out this episode i hope you like it because I definitely found it among all things shareable that, that's that's basically how it goes here we go Welcome back to Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, as always. And today, my guest is Carla Fowler. And we're going to be talking about all sorts of amazing stuff. Carla, welcome to Shareable. I'm excited to talk to you today.
1: Hey, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So let's start with the most important question that I could possibly ask you. What is the dent you wish to make in the universe? Why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish with this life?
1: You know, I think um, there's... What I'm trying to accomplish is, I love this idea of expanding what our collective sense of capability is um, and our access to that capability. Like, how do we produce the results we want to produce in the world? Whether that's the stuff we want to accomplish, you know, whether it's the things we want to accomplish to impact other people. Um, I think we have so much to offer. And I love this idea as a coach to say, how can I unlock that? Whether that's through one-on-one coaching, whether that's through talking about ideas and different perspectives that might like flip a switch in someone's brain who I'd never meet, but um, that might be really changing for them. And uh, so that's, that's the dent that I think about, dream about um, and work towards.
0: Listeners of Shareable will know that I have all sorts of different guests on this show from all different walks of life, and they will immediately probably recognize that, Carla, you are a self-indulgent guest for me because we share a love of unlocking human potential. Um, I believe that the world is better off with more superheroes in it. I am trying my darndest to give everyone I meet uh, more skills so that they can be empowered to do the things that they want to do in their life and accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. And uh, you and I are going to have a fantastic conversation today. I know it. This one's definitely self-indulgent for me. So I'm really glad you're here.
1: (laughs) It's. I got to say, it's really fun to talk about these things. And, um, you know, one of the, I think it's fun when, you know, we've talked about capability, but it's like fun when people, when you see people around you out achieving what they want. I think yeah. it just makes it more fun. Uh yeah. So yeah. I'm excited. I love it.
0: Well, one thing that I've uh, recently kind of um been really curious about because I, I think not everybody is um aggressive about their self improvement the way that I am. Like I'm like I'm almost mm-hmm. obsessive about it. And I wonder if it has anything to do <laughs> with like my ADHD slash autism of like I love to learn and I love to learn new capabilities and grow. And and there's all sorts of things there. And I'm just um I'm curious if, in your travels, that you've found that this is a universally universally applicable sort of thing that everyone wants to grow in some way or another, uh, or maybe it's on a spectrum, or or have you encountered that there's some people who are just kind of like, eh, I, I think I'm good?"
1: <laughs> I think that we all are more likely to thrive. I think we often feel happier, like more momentum um, when we are growing. That being said, I think there's a lot of stuff that can get in the way of us actually recognizing that or having that be our go-to. So when Mm -hmm. I hear you talk about it, I hear that it's like your go-to. And to be honest, it's totally my go-to also. I mean, I could tell you stories from like fifth grade, (laughs) which is the first time I can remember thinking about, Hey, there's this thing. I'm not good at it. I'd like to be good at it. Uh, what am I going to do about that? And then I decided I went up to the, you know, elementary school and started practicing the like running event that I wanted to be good at. It was like the shuttle run with the beanbags and stuff where you run in back and forth between the two lines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, but that was always my go-to this idea of like, how do I, um, how can I build my sense of capability? And I was totally willing to, try stuff, run experiments, ask other people, watch other people. And, um, but I look and I, I think I grew up in a family where, you know, I got some of that modeled for me and I think I was really fortunate. I don't think I got a lot of messages early on that somehow like, nah, that's as good as you're going to be at that thing. Um, and so I think that was my situation, but uh, I think you, there are lots of things that can like burn us when we go after it in life. And so sometimes, um, we may have an experience where we're like, yeah, I kind of stuck my neck out there and got really bad feedback was treated poorly. Um, you know, or someone who was really important to me gave me the message that really struck home that made me think like, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I don't need to take a risk or change or grow. Um, like that might be
0: a bad idea, yeah, so. yeah, there's so much there, and there's obviously like we go down the road of like you know people's traumatic experiences in childhood or education or you know, with their parents and all the different messages we receive. and there's so much there. i I definitely want to make sure that at some point in our conversation, we talk about this this line between self-improvement and feeling that you're enough. And mm-hmm. I think so yeah. often that the the real um, superpower comes from being able to feel that you're enough and then also have the uh, desire to or or i guess the um, the the mental clarity, the emotional health to pursue the things that you're interested in while, Not using that as a judge of whether or not you're enough, but instead in self improvement. And I want to get to all of that, but I do need to start with the (laughs) shareables because I always like, I'm going to go, you and me, we're going to like, we're going to do this thing. But I want to get, I want to talk about the shareables uh, because I always like to start out the episode giving people practical, tangible things that they can walk away with that if, God forbid, they stopped listening after this section, they could at least walk away with some recommendations. So because the show is called shareable, I like to make sure that my guests are coming on and sharing things with people that you know, are worthy of being shared, things that uh, they find a value that somebody else can take away as practical value. So I got four shareables I'm gonna ask you about. And um, and I wanna go through those and spend, you know, no more than five minutes on these, talking a little bit about things that you recommend. And then I wanna get deep into this conversation about performance, self-improvement, feeling that you're enough, uh, how, you know, high performers, all that sort of good stuff. So let's start here though. What's a book that you've read that you would recommend that people check out?
1: I would say I'm sorry. One, it doesn't even have
0: to be a book. It could be anything you've read, actually, article, okay. book, anything, study.
1: I do actually. I really like books. There's just something about the like start to finish out that I like. Uh, so it was a book that I was thinking about recommending, and that uh, is called The Formula, and it's by Albert Laszlo Barabasi, and um, I really thought it was interesting because it separates uh, the idea of success from kind of what is your performance and it highlights the importance of network effects. So what is people's perception of your performance and how that ties into success? And like, what are the scenarios where that matters versus scenarios where pure performance is really uh, more important, which which is particularly like in athletics where things are really easy to measure, uh, often just your performance speaks for itself. So I thought this was so interesting because I think we often just think about like, what's the result we're producing versus whether or not there's a social component that is also necessary for us to then be successful at what we want to do.
0: I absolutely love that. And there's so many factors to success that go beyond just individual effort and gusto, right? It, 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 Some of it comes down to circumstance and it comes down to your surroundings and the opportunities that open mm-hmm. to you based upon people you. I absolutely love it. So um, I'm down, I'm adding it to my book list. I too, like you, huge book reader. Uh, dirty secret about this is I asked for all these recommendations so that I could build my own list of stuff. Um, so great. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> way, way to get a double out of it. <laughs> yeah. Total win. All right. So second shareable is, uh, what's something that you've watched recently that you would recommend? This could be, you know, uh, a video essay on YouTube. It could be a documentary. It could be a Netflix show. It could be anything that you've watched recently. that you think others should go watch?
1: You know, I, I don't watch a lot of content, but I did watch the movie bullet train recently and, uh, it is mass market. It is violent. Uh, It was funny. It has some choice cameos, but I think one of the really funny things about it is without giving away any of the spoilers is uh, Brad Pitt plays this like sort of recovering sort of assassin who has a job to do, but he has a therapist and he's trying to work on himself and like improve himself. And I just thought it was so funny. And it's this great meta perspective that I think was useful as a takeaway, which is, Everybody has their own inner life. Your boss has their own inner life. They're dealing with their own challenges. Like no matter how successful somebody looks, they're dealing with their own internal stuff and their own self-improvement and they have their own challenges and struggles that they're like dealing with. So that's like my, I'm just going to elevate the movie a little bit. That was my takeaway.
0: <laughs> Love it. I, I, you know, it's interesting. I saw the trailer for it and I was like, I should probably see that. So now that you've said it, it's, it's definitely going to be added to the list. Um, all right. So the third shareable is something that you've heard or listened to recently. It could be a podcast. It could be an audio book. It could be uh, a really amazing song or album, just something that you think would be pleasing or useful to someone's ears.
1: I there is uh two two different songs I was thinking about and I I do listen to a lot of audiobooks but I already kind of recommended a book so I was thinking about something different and uh, I really like uh Kygo released a new remix I love um, Kygo oh so good someone put the comment that like. it it was like, this isn't a song, this is a feeling or something like that. I (laughs) was watching the video for the the song earlier. And, uh, but uh, he released a new uh, single, which is called Freeze uh, just this past summer. And I like it because there's some stuff that's Kygo that feels like it got fed through the Kygo bot, like whether it's a fine song, but it just kind of sounds like it got sent through like the Tropical House filter right? Like nothing really spectacular. And, uh, this one freeze, I feel like has all the layers and like the shimmering and like a long build, it's kind of long song. And then like this amazing moment when it gets super sparse at the end and there's just like the, the snare drum is playing and I just freaking love it.
0: That's outstanding. I am really excited to add that to my list of music. I'm always, and I also appreciate that you called out that it's a longer song because I get so annoyed when I find a really good song and it's like two minutes long. And I'm like, that could have been so much better if you just like, and maybe it's because I grew up on Pink Floyd that I'm like, I'm expecting like a 20 minute opus. Um, But like, yeah, these, these two minute songs, I'm like, come on, you're better than that. Uh, all right. So final shareable question is, um something that you've learned about recently. So I always find this one an interesting question because it could really be from any kind of like walk of life. It could be, you know, politics, it could be biology, it could be, you know, uh, true crime, anything, something that you've learned about recently that you think is so interesting that you want to share it with people and maybe they'll, if it piques their interest, they'll go check it out.
1: Great question. I, um I've been thinking a lot about, I listen to a lot of kind of health related stuff. Uh, my background is as a doctor, but it turns out there are a number of things like you don't learn about basic health in medical school. Like you learn how to cure people of like things, uh, illnesses and other kinds of problems. But one of the things I've been learning about and thinking a lot about lately is protein consumption. And that the RDA for protein is like what you need to basically stay alive and to not waste away when you're sedentary. So it's kind of like the bare minimum. But I think when we look at the RDA for protein, we think like, oh, that's that's the amount I should be getting every day. When in fact, I think it's quite a bit higher. Uh, so that was just an interesting thing that I've been thinking about and then kind of incorporating.
0: Our, our large uh, bodybuilder following of Shareable is probably extremely happy with you right now. <laughs> Uh, as well as our, soon to be sponsors for, uh, protein powders. They're really going to love what you've, what you've come up with today. Um, all right, cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for those, those recommendations. Uh, I always love hearing the stuff that people recommend and and share. And it always, I think, um, you know, every guest comes with a different, uh, thought process around what they recommend. So I, I appreciate what you've offered and, and all of that's going to be going on my list. So thank you so much. All right. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about about your story a little bit to kind of set this up. So we have some context when we talk about performance. So we're going to talk about uh, performance. We're going to talk about high performers and what they do differently. Uh, I want to know a little bit about like what some mistakes that people make. Uh, I would love, I'm a huge fan of frameworks. So anytime you've got like frameworks or or sequences or ways of thinking about things, I I just, I eat that up, but I want to start with you, which is, I want to know kind of what led you here. Um, Like what's your story? How, how'd you get into the world of executive coaching and like, like, what do you do now? What led you here? Kind of give us some background.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's funny, you know, you look at your adult life and I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, I've been an adult for 25 years and I've done a lot of different stuff during that time, uh, which may or may not seem connected. But I think if you wanted to understand me and what drives me, I just have this, brain and it's a scientific brain. Like I think like a scientist, I love to understand how stuff works. I love to figure out problems. I like feeling like the world is solvable or that there's there's a way to kind of get through things and figure things out. And um, one of the things that I was always super jazzed about was I, I like to be good at things and not even like not even super competitive. It wasn't even so much about that. It was more about kind of how do you uh, grow or improve at something and feel like you you were better at it. And um, I think this, this sort of prints itself throughout my life. But I think the other thing I was always pretty in tune with was like, what seems interesting? Um, what seems like, you know, it would keep my brain active and, but would also have some challenges associated with it and that seemed socially interesting. Um, And so I was pretty good at saying like, well, what do I wanna do? And I think I often would sort of say, well, what do I want? And not not worry so much about the long-term. I mean, I was thinking sort of about the long-term but not in a really like, not in excruciating detail. Like more or less say, well, do I think this would be a reasonable enough answer for the moment? And then be like, okay. Great, like let's let's keep going. And uh, I always liked really learning different skill sets. Like I loved acquiring capabilities. And so uh, these are kind of the things that you had to say. Like what? Oh, and I'm very enthusiastic. Last thing. <laughs> so uh, that's like the background for a little bit about who I am and how I approach things. And and so then maybe the next obvious question is like, okay, so you like went and got involved in medicine. You also got like a science PhD and then you ended up in coaching. And for me, um, a big piece of that was, I think wanting to, uh, again, follow things that were interesting. I really liked the idea uh, in medicine and science of like how those things would interplay off each other. So the idea that you wanna apply something practically to really make a difference. Uh, so if you're going to do science, I was like, well, you should practice medicine. So, you know, maybe what you should actually be researching and, um, and then, but if you're practicing medicine, you might want to be solving what's the next range of problems for people that are coming up. So maybe you want to do some science. Um, so these are some of the things that led me into those fields. Um, and then, you know, I think there's, comes this moment. I don't, some of your listeners have probably experienced this. I don't know, Jeff, if you have experienced this, but you, you come to that like pivot moment where you suddenly are like, okay, my plan isn't working exactly how I thought it would. I don't know. Has that happened to you?
0: (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much the entire story of my life. Um, I, I think resilience and reinvention, um, and, and some, a friend of mine pointed this out to me actually on shareable, I think those are actually some of my superpowers. And, and I've, uh, after he said, I've really spent a lot of time thinking about it. And Yeah. I I think that's actually one of the parts that I find most interesting in life is how do you deal with a setback and bounce back and get even better? Like, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, that the art of Kintsugi, uh, I think that's what it's, it's how it's pronounced, but it's the Japanese art of basically filling in the cracks in a pot with golden lacquer so that Mm. it shows that our, um, basically our flaws are beautiful. They're like actually what make us stronger, make us more beautiful. And I, I really embrace that idea that our traumas, our setbacks, all of that stuff is, it 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 isn't always, but sometimes it's the thing that makes us more well-rounded, stronger people. Some cases it breaks us, but um, I think oftentimes that's the thing that really makes us.
1: Yeah. I love what you said and, and just that analogy of like filling in the cracks. And I, one of the things that reminds me of is- Sometimes when I talk about where I've been, what I've done, you know, people ask me like, "Wow, like that was a lot of time to invest in medicine and science. Like do you regret that?" like or even at the extreme end like, "Wow, what a waste of time." Yeah. And oh my god. <laughs> I we, these are reasonable things to ask or say, but Totally. I never feel that way. Like I look at This feels super cheesy, you know, life is a tapestry, (laughs) but I just look at what makes up me. And I've always thought like a scientist, the idea that spending time doing that. And yes, like at the time it was not just an exercise. Like my intention was to, you know, incorporate that into career. But, um, I learned so much about how to think about a problem when I was getting my PhD So I had this like really kind of, um, he, he was a great scientist, my mentor, and I chose him because, uh, he, I, I knew this and I knew I would learn so much, um, not like the warmest fuzziest person, but like really, um, I think instructed me in thinking about like what results really matter like, what are you going to go study? Cause sometimes I would come in and I'd say, well, I think I'm going to do this experiment going to do this experiment. And he would really say, Carla, why are you going to do that? Like, what is it you hope to learn? But more, maybe more importantly, why does learning that matter? Like, will that impact the field? Where does it fit in the field? And that was a, a way of thinking that is so important in our lives and in our work, totally outside of science. And, um, This is just one example of some of the things that I learned kind of over the course of my journey that have direct applicability to coaching people around performance, around how to think about what they want and what's most important for getting there. Um, And so to me, there were so many things that I learned that I don't think I could have learned in a coaching program. Um, Not that there is anything wrong with a coaching program, just that there were these orthogonal ideas that um, I look back and I think, wow, that was a really important five years I spent getting a PhD. I, I mean, I made contributions to cancer research, which is great, and I'm proud of that. But also for me as a person, you know, what's what's the gold that that filled in some cracks, you know, some ways of thinking that improved over the course of that time that I now use every day, uh, in a very different context. Um, so that's that's what your your analogy reminded me of.
0: Yeah, and and I wanted to ask you. You kind of briefly touched on it, but I want to I want to dig in just a little deeper with it. Um, and and I guess before I even ask you this question, the the first thing is just to clarify you you coach executives now, right? Like you, who are you coaching yes. right now in your capacity as a performance coach?
1: Great question. So I coach executives um, and leaders. Sometimes that's at the C-level. Sometimes that's um, some levels down, you know, in a big company. Uh, it can also be in the nonprofit sector. Uh, but really, I, I'm coaching people who are kind of at that point where they have both the responsibility and the autonomy to really drive things. Maybe mm-hmm. that's for a p Maybe it's for a whole company or an organization. But where they're at that point, No one's telling them what to do anymore. Like they need to figure out and lead what needs to happen next. And the other thing that's often, uh, they're at the point where they're working harder is no longer where their next gains come from, you know, early in your career, there is a lot to be gained from hustle right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that was totally true as a medical student. Uh, you weren't very uh, knowledgeable as a doctor yet, but you could like run around, get charts, work hard, be helpful. Uh, but I, when I coach, I'm really coaching people, uh, from the standpoint of their past, the work harder. And so they really need access to some principles and some themes that, uh, they can use to guide what next, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you think about that next level? If it's not just, uh, and I know we say like work smarter, but I, I find that to be sort of vague and sometimes unhelpful, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So um, that's that's who I coach, and also the the angle that I coach from.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so I guess the the question I wanted to lead into that you touched on was how do we decide what it is that we should learn next? And I asked that partly because, as someone who's consistently trying to learn new things. I don't think that there's a through line that I've recognized for what I choose to learn next. It's just sort of everything I learn kind of eventually makes its way together to forming a useful set of skills. But I, I don't feel as though it was sort of like a, a linear path of like, oh, well, like I have a curriculum for myself almost. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you, you know, you work with people who are already high performers who are trying to go further in their careers. And I'm sure you've seen a number of different ways that this plays out for people in terms of, you know, maybe exploring interests that aren't necessarily useful to what they're trying to accomplish, but is there still a value in that? So I guess the the question I'm getting at is like, how do you decide what it is that you should be learning next in the context of uh, being both a higher performer, but also having a more satisfying uh, experience through your your enhanced in performance and growth
1: I think that there's a couple different pieces of of your question and a couple different scenarios that you just brought up and and so maybe I'll just distinguish those. Uh, sometimes what makes something feel satisfying or what makes us um, kind of excited and happy may may be different from, for example like what we, what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Like like that in some ways, sometimes we need to just feel some abundance about our time and our learning and our ability to say, I'm going to learn something that I want to learn just because I want to learn it. Like I'm going to listen to that Kygo song because I just love it. (laughs) You know, it makes me feel good. If I'm feeling a little low in the morning, I put it on and I might put it on repeat and I'll just go walk and listen to it. So um, I think one important thing is that It's pretty unrealistic for us as human beings to think that we have to account and perfectly and in a linear fashion, like go directly to places. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lovely dream. It's a Disney fantasy, (laughs) but I just don't find that that's typically how things happen for us. And I also think uh, it can often take more effort when we want to really control and, and try to go someplace super directly. Okay. Uh, so, um, so I'll just, I'll say that to start, but in terms of like how we might figure out where we want to learn or grow, uh, there's a couple of different themes or like principles that I find help us figure that out. So, and this is where I, I, and I know you don't like prescriptive, so this is perfect because it's not prescriptive. (laughs) Um, I I like to think of these as lenses to look through for an individual to then say, huh, well, what might make sense for that person Mm -hmm. um, or that leader? And I think the first one is really this idea of, um, I, I call it brutal focus, but it's, I I think the easiest way to think about it is to say having some clarity about what you want and uh, what's most important to drive towards that. And I recognize that those are really big questions. So let's just actually, let's just dig into the first one because um, when I think about like tangible and practical tips or things that I recommend to people Mm -hmm. uh, that anyone can do, I think this question of spending some time with thinking about what do you want is really important because I I think we're great at sort of wanting things, but not particularly great as human beings at really articulating or being curious about or being specific about what it is we want. And there's a variety of reasons for it. So it's very common and it's very human. And we all do it in different areas. Like, I don't. I'm not a person who just woke up knowing what I wanted. I like my background probably makes that clear. <laughs> um, but I don't know. This is this. Do, it's do you this find that's a I,
0: sorry? Do you think that's yeah, a did, do you find that's a common thing? Because as you said that, I, I felt I felt that like kind of like really resonate with me, like in my chest. Like I, I've just simply chased around things that I thought were interesting. And it's mm-hmm. it's culminated in a variety of skills that work really really well together. I'm very passionate about all the different things that I do, and in my fields, I I feel as though and and generally regarded by the people I work with as a, a fairly high performer. So yeah. I'm curious. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of people. A lot of them have ADHD, and they're interested in a lot of different things. I'm I'm wondering if that's a commonality that you've seen. You know, you seem very happy with what you do. You you know, you're performing at a very high level. You're working with people at a very high level. Is that sort of squiggly as, as, um, someone I I know named Mitch Joel has podcast six pixels separation. He calls the career journey squiggly, right? Like it's not this linear path. It's this weird thing where it arrives somewhere, but it's a squiggly path. Do you find that that's a common sort of thing? Um, or are there actually high performers that, um, I'm sure there are, but like, is it common for there to be high performers? that are like, I'm going to do this thing. They chase that thing. They go do that thing, you know, outside of like the Simone Biles.
1: I, I think that, uh, it's a, something that we all have to kind of think about. And some people spend more time thinking about it than others. And, and there are various things that get in the way. And some people are more susceptible to these than others. So again, I, we, we follow kind of a range of different paths. Uh, but I think that um, it's just really helpful to continue to think about because there's a lot of stuff that can kind of get in the way. So you can tell me if any of these like resonate. But sometimes um, we struggle with it because We have this idea about like what we should want, right? There's a lot of social influence around what we should want. Uh, I think another common thing is that sometimes we want a feeling and we mistake that for wanting a particular thing uh, that we think will get that feeling, but we sort of convolute the two. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: That resonates.
1: Does it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, Well, this this will be like a little a little quiz. You could be like yes, no, yes, no. Sometimes. (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. We uh, another thing is like I've definitely done this one. Uh, Like we've already talked ourselves out of wanting something before we've even let ourselves wanting it because we've decided like it's impossible. Yeah. And uh, usually, I find it's not that it's impossible, but there may be a trade off or some work involved that like our brain isn't ready to like think about or decide about. Uh, let's see. Um, Oh, another one is like, sometimes we don't know how to get to the thing that we want. And so we don't even like let ourselves have the moment of saying, well, I want that. And yes, I don't know how, but that doesn't mean I couldn't figure out how, uh, and like work towards that. Um, Sometimes this is related to the how, but it's, I was reminded of it because of what you said about sort of that linear, like, you know, are there people who just sort of linear go places uh, versus maybe more the squiggly path that you described for yourself or Mm -hmm. like in some ways what I have done uh, with sort of a big pivot in the middle. Uh, But this idea of sometimes we think, oh, I can't see a linear path there, or I don't have the time to invest in it. That would take me directly there in the short term and so it like i i said i I don't think i can do that um or i don't know how i would do that Mm -hmm. and um this one i particularly love because um, i'm really interested in how we use uh compounding and thinking more in curves versus linear and how much more we can accomplish than we ever thought we could accomplish if we're willing to think about things that way versus... Say say
0: more about that. Explain what you mean by that. Because I have in my head (laughs) a picture of what what that looks like, but I'm not quite sure I actually understand what you mean by thinking in curves. So can you kind of illustrate that for listeners?
1: Absolutely. So um, our brains are pretty good at like thinking linearly about where we might go. And we're also much better at thinking about like short-term, like maybe estimating what you think you could accomplish like this year. Um, and I, I'm stealing from a Bill, uh, a Bill Gates quote here where he said, you know, we dramatically under uh, overestimate what we can kind of get done in one year, but we dramatically underestimate what we could get done in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing about uh, sort of uh, when we stop thinking linearly, and if we can think about like a curve or what happens if we start doing something small, that's but consistently, That is going to compound, um, much like we talk about compounding in finance, um, this idea of seeing at some point, your capability or your results uh, start to grow dramatically in a way that's almost magical. Mm
0: -hmm. It's sort
1: of like that hockey, you could imagine that hockey stick graph of a startup. That might be a good visual for listeners, right? That's actually
0: (laughs) where it started to clarify for me when you said, um, It went from looking like a curvy line in my head to looking more like a graph uh, of of like compounding interest or compounding results. So I think I'm starting to follow where you're going with that.
1: And and I want to bring it up because that's not naturally how we think. Like I think one of the challenges about even the um, COVID pandemic early on, um, and I I was in Seattle, uh, you know, in the early early days um, where, which was thought, it was thought that was going to be one of the hot spots. It didn't actually turn out that way, but uh, you know, I think one of the things that was challenging for all of us was to understand how quickly cases might grow given um, sort of the infectivity of that and, and what that exponential growth looked like. Um, so that's just a really tangible example of how it's sort of challenging for us to think about how stuff can compound on itself. But um, one of the things I really love about compounding and thinking about approaching goals in this way is because uh, it's a way that we can sometimes make something feasible if we're willing to give it a longer time frame. And also if we're we're willing to really specify what it is we're hoping to accomplish um, and what's really the meat of it. And then really define, okay, well, what would be the consistent driving thing that would get me there? Um, or sometimes it's a combination of things. But um, I don't think we naturally plan in our lives or go after goals in quite this way. And so um, it's a little counterintuitive. But I'll, I'll pause there because I'm sure you may have more questions about it. And I love yeah, this. Yeah, it's actually a little like meta. To-
0: <laughs> yeah, it's totally meta, but I, I want to make it really tangible because I know that um, you know, the work that you do, you're working with people. So there's there's a bit of a for lack of a better term, like a curriculum that you kind of almost have to go through with people. Like there's sort of like prerequisite prerequisite thinking and uh questions that people have to go through. Like there's this, there's probably this whole process. And and I know for myself, you know, I do work with people in unleashing their potential and helping them grow and uh, in ways, and and I have a framework that I utilize, um, and I'm curious, what does the process look like? I know it's not en- entirely linear, but I think that we could probably identify, and I'm sure you know some of the components that you think go into growing in an area that you want to grow in. What are some of those like? I don't know if you have it by numbers, like the three things of this or the five things of that, um, you know, in, in the framework mm-hmm. that I use, there's five components to unleashing your superhuman abilities. Um, I'm curious what your take on it is. Like, How do you go about instructing people in thinking about taking themselves from this kind of squiggly line and maybe chasing different interests and thinking about what it is that they want and, and kind of connecting all of that together? How do you go through that in a way that's a kind of simple, easy to follow framework or, or system?
1: Uh, great question. So there's there's a couple different ways to approach it. Uh, one I do with all of my clients, and one I think is maybe a little more uh, uh, approachable from just a, a describing it standpoint. But I think for people who are kind of like more freeform and more narrative, um, I really like it's sort of S S P P S. Is a great way to remember it, and this just stands for states, uh, progress, process, and story. And so we can kind of break these down. Say, just say those that- again. States. Okay, I will. States. Yep. Progress. Mm-hmm. Process. And story. Love it. So these right. Let's S's. go through it. Okay. T-
0: tell me about it. <laughs>
1: Awesome. So uh, really the states refers to having someone think about, and I like it because it kind of takes it out of the, the language of goals. Goals mm-hmm. can be super helpful, but often goals can get a little distracting away from like, well, what do we really want? Um, so I just like this idea of we start with states. And so the first state to think about is like, uh, what's my current state? You know, like, and I think it's great to pick an area. So often people have a little bit of a sense of like, what is an area of my work or life? Something that isn't quite maybe how I'd want it to be. Let's just say you're not in your dream state. Uh, And I think it's helpful to define uh, what's your current state. And then I think it's worth, and just say like, you know, where are you at? Like try and be factual. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful, but you can put a column of what are the feelings you have about it. So I'm not trying to say, ignore your feelings. I'm just saying it's helpful to get some facts down too, so that it's not just, how do you feel about your current state? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I think it's useful to maybe look back a year and say, "Hmm, what do I remember about what was my past state? And then I think it's helpful to look ahead and say, what would be my desired future state? And Mm -hmm. can I describe it? Uh, Or what might the facts be at that point in time? I think it's also useful, but you can say, how would it feel? But you could also say, what do I think it would look like? What do I think the facts would be about that? Um, So this is like
0: visualization as kind of one moment of it, like getting clarity and kind of uh, getting clarity on the present, um, Mm -hmm. being introspective about the past and being and, and employing visualization for the future.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's just trying to get some sense. Again, looking at future state is one of the ways of saying, well, what would I want? Um, But it it makes it a little more specific uh, versus just globally. What do I want? And we want lots of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So that's the first thing. Then progress is the piece where it's super helpful to have done a little bit of past state and current state, because I find often people have actually made progress already to get to their current state. Now, uh, we as human beings are often like uh, performance discounters. So we always think of like today as our ground zero and um, we discount the heck out of all the work we might have already put in that represents a huge amount of progress between a past state and even our current state. Even if we need to make more progress to get to our future state, you know, we don't want a performance discount and not give ourselves credit for actually what we've already done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's can, a really I, important. I want to share place. something
0: about this because it's it's super important, especially if um, if we have any ADHD listeners uh, uh, right now tuning in. Um, I've noticed that for me, time occurs as now and not now. And in mm-hmm. having a conversation that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the performance discount really resonates with me because performance is all past based, which is not now. So it all occurs in one stack. It's not like laid out in any right. sort of way that I can comprehend or understand. I was talking with my therapist about this actually, and she mentioned something along the lines of something about a timeline. And what uh, what it triggered for me was that I actually needed to lay out my accomplishments on an actual timeline, on something that I could see the mm-hmm. kind of the the course of my life and see where these things occurred. And, and not just progress in terms of accomplishments, but also in terms of regrets, because there's sometimes the things that you look back on and you feel so badly about it, but then you realize, well, that was 35 years ago and I'm still carrying that thing. And um, so just for the people who are going through that, there's gonna be different ways that you relate to that, um, that, you know, progress, um, you know, not now kind of bias. And for me, I found a lot of um, clarity and a lot of, you um, Closure uh, in some ways in laying it out in a way that I could visually see that progress over time because it just feels like everything's in the past, so it doesn't count.
1: Exactly, that was a perfect description of performance discounting. Everything in the was in the past, so it doesn't count.
0: Exactly. Yep. Yep. Hundred (laughs) percent. So yeah, no, that super resonates with me about the the progress part, and I really appreciate that. That really uh, dovetails in with the states piece because. When you think about past state, then you're thinking of where was I, and then you go into progress and you think about what did I accomplish and where it it. wasn't. If you don't, if you can't mentally process that as as taking place over time, it's hard to actually really comprehend what's happening there.
1: Yes. So so that's progress. And progress is something we want to come back to because as you pointed out, well, you're going to reach next week and that's going to be your new now. So progress is obviously something that we have to kind of check in with because that's a lot of our motivational fuel. And why would we not take advantage of that? Um, So uh, the next P was for process. And this is where, um, I, we need to think about and really define what are the drivers. And again, this relates back to kind of brutal focus like, not what's the laundry list of things you think you could do, should do uh, to try and work towards that future state that you want, but really trying to look, even if you have to brain dump first. And often that's my strategy because I have a lot of ideas in my head. Uh, this may be true also for you yep. to sort of. Brain dump, but then the goal is to say, okay, let's be realistic here. Like, what what really is most important? And it's okay if you don't know. Then that's a great learning objective. To say, if I really don't know, uh, what are some of the most important things that give me the kind of the biggest impact to, to drive me forwards towards my future state? Then that's worth learning about. It's okay that you don't know that, but uh, let's not just sit in the not knowing and so you know just to connect it back like you asked like well how do people figure out what they should be learning I find this is often a super fruitful place to say what would they be motivated to learn and what would be really useful to learn is to even get clarity on what of all this stuff could I bet on and invest my time in and over time it would compound and produce uh, progress towards that goal And so that's, that's what I like to think about when we're designing a process. And I really like to think about, um, uh, finding solutions that are, uh, sustainable and that you can like do over time, because I think those are the only solutions that really, really matter that are really going to work. Um, because yeah, you need to do them consistently. So if you're like, there's no way I'm gonna get up at 5 a.m. consistently to do my strategic thinking, let's just say, <laughs> then like- That that's is a good example because there is solution. no way that I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how I think about like, so process and you don't have to get it perfect the first time. But I find when we have clarity about what is the thing, what is the intervention that I wanna start doing regularly that I've made sure it's feasible. I've made sure it's something that actually really matters um, towards what I want to accomplish that future state. Um, and now I'm going to start doing that and learning to do that. And if more information comes to light that makes you want to alter or improve that, awesome. Uh, this is you said you like numbers. Here's mm-hmm. some more numbers. <laughs> I love to think about uh, 90, 90, 90. So. Um, Some one mistake that happens for people when they're thinking about that process, they're trying to like build some momentum. Um, There's just all this stuff that can get in the way. And so the first place where it gets in the way is that like 90% of us, when we're kind of trying to embark on something, we don't ever start because maybe we sort of convinced ourselves out of it. Uh, We couldn't find the right time to do it. We got stuck in analysis, any number of things you don't get started. So, um, getting started is like the first big hurdle and don't worry about getting it perfect. Just get like, get, get rolling. You know, you can't steer a car if it's not moving, you know, you just grind the wheels into the ground. (laughs) So, um, get moving. The second 90 is, uh, often people get started, but then like maybe 90% of those people like end up stopping because we're not sure if it's working. Um, you know, we designed a solution that wasn't really sustainable. So like after a couple of weeks of it, we're like, can't get up at five anymore. (laughs) Um, Things like that. And so, but I say, don't worry about like improving things, just worry about like keeping going and figuring out what's it going to take to keep going. Mm -hmm. And if you can set up a structure whether that's like, for example, some people say, Hey, I just arranged to meet my buddy at the gym because I know I will feel terrible if I like let them down. And that's my structure that keeps me going. Uh, you know, keeps me at least showing up. Um, so the third 90 is where you start to try and improve that process and what you're doing. And so I say it's the third 90, because I try to not like have people worry too, too much of about that too early. Cause if you worry about that too much too early. Sometimes you stop in the second 90. So once you really get the sense of like, nope, I'm going, I know the habit. I can do it. It's feasible. Then you can ask yourself the question, is it the best habit? Or is there some way I could improve it and make it more effective? Um, Really steer it towards that future state. And so the last 90 is sometimes people do keep going, but they don't ever get to that point of like, how do I improve it? Um, And make sure that whatever is that thing I'm doing consistently is really the most impactful thing I could be doing. So that's third 90. Um, so that's, that is really how I think about that, that process piece.
0: Got it. Okay. So we've got states, progress, and process that we've covered. And you give, you've given us the 90-90-90 rule, which I like because I think there's there's so many different lessons there and, and other ways that a similar idea has been applied. Uh, one that I'll just quickly give is, is that most podcasts have less than 10 episodes because people basically give up before 10 episodes. I can't remember what the exact stat is. So generally, if somebody's mm-hmm. telling me that they want to start a podcast, the first thing I'll say to them is like, just make it past 10 episodes. Like if you make it past 10 episodes, then you're already in an exclusive club. And it's much easier to keep going once you've figured out that you've made it over the hump that most people stop at. So I, I really mm-hmm. like the uh, the thinking there. And and there's a lot of different ways I think that can be applied to people. But the final piece that you had on here was story. So tell us how story kind of wraps these these four pieces up together.
1: So story is so important. And this is it's obviously relevant to podcasts. Like part of what is great about podcasts is like, we get to hear stories. Um, You know, it's not the same as going to a lecture because as human beings, the stories we hear from other people, even though they're anecdotal, often impact us way more than statistics, Mm -hmm. like numbers. And so I love to use stories to help us really frame and motivate ourselves and what we're about and what we're headed towards. And so you could think about story as, what are you saying about yourself and where you're going? And, and I think it's really helpful, particularly when you're trying to play a longer game, because sometimes we don't need story as much if we're like having big wins, like every week, although one could make the argument that if it's happening every week, it's not that big a win just because (laughs) um, you're
0: not taking enough risks.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I, but I think that when you are investing in something, you're doing like the chop wood, carry water, and really saying, hey, I know it's going to be a a lot of investment before I really see things start to synergize or compound on each other. Uh, that it's really important to have a story to tell yourself because, again, stories are more convincing to say, hey, here's what I'm doing. For example, um, you know, I think you – when here here's a great example so if someone sometimes someone might decide to go run a half marathon and uh maybe they do like a 3 month training program and they know they're going to have to make time for it and um and maybe they sort of had the goal cuz they were like I want to feel something I want to feel fit I want to feel a little more athletic and so they kind of set this shorter term goal um and they may like go ahead and and do it and there may be plenty of momentum without a story to keep that going But imagine now that what you really want to do is you say, you know, it's less that I care about the half marathon and it's more that I want to be fit and I want to sustain that. And, um, and I need to think about how I can do that over the long term because you can't kind of do all your fitness. You can't cram your fitness. For example, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of something you have to do over time consistently. And so for the person who says, okay, Uh, so I need to start compounding slowly and manageable amounts. And ultimately it might take me three years, but I might be able to reach the point where on any given Tuesday, I could go out and run 13 miles. I might not be able to do it again on Wednesday, but like my general fitness would be such that that would be a goal that I could just, I could do, I could stretch to that because I've sort of brought my base up and, um, but Doing something over three years takes a lot more commitment and willingness to go slow. And so I think it would be really helpful to have a story about yourself. Um, One example could be, I care about lifelong fitness. I'm in this for the long game and I'm building the area under the curve or like I'm building my capability because... I don't want this to be a one-time thing. I want it to be something that like is a part of me in my life. And it might take me three years to figure out sort of how to really incorporate it. But I know if I do that over time, it will be something that has staying power for me. Um, that's not elusive or um, or flighty. Um, you know, that disappears the moment I go on a vacation. Um, you know, I want I want to really build some firm foundation there. And I think having some statements about that becomes really important because you may hear about any number of your friends who are out like training for the half marathon, they do it, they get a lot of praise. Um, And then maybe they're kind of back to sitting at their desk job, right? But we really got to kind of pull that together for ourselves.
0: So in episode 160 of Shareable, which I encourage Mm -hmm. everyone to go and listen to, uh, it was with uh, Pablo Ambrosio. And the episode was called Axioms to Unlock Your Superpowers. And he tells a story. It's This is like almost spooky how aligned it is with what you're saying. So he's a fitness coach and he was talking about how one of the things that he does, he helps kind of people find their axiom, sort of like this statement that allows them to remember. And it's really, it's story. So he tells this story of this uh, older guy who like he was coaching and the guy would lose weight and then he would gain weight and he would lose weight. And he was like, Hey, listen, man, like, we got to get this together. Like, what are you actually in this for? And it turned out that this guy was older, and he had lost his father when he was younger, and he had just had a grandkid, and he wanted to work out because he wanted to be around for his grandkids. So the axiom became, "I I am a great grandfather," and that that was when they would work out. He would be miserable working out because who likes working out? But what he would say to himself, and what what Pablo would say to his client, was like, "You're a great grandfather." And it's that story that would trigger to him the reason that he was doing it in the first place. And it was a simple sentence, a simple little axiom mm-hmm. for him to remember that he's not there just because he likes to lift weights because really <laughs> what he's there for is because he wants to be around for his grandkids. And and I, you know, I've done now over 200 episodes of shareable and I've, I've been podcasting since 2013. So I've spoken with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people at this point. That story is one of the ones that resonates and sticks out with me because it it's so real. It's so um, tangible. And it, and it fits into what you're saying here about um, if you want to improve your performance, like, yes, there's the the part where you have to understand where have I been, where am I now, where I want to go. You have to think about what have, what have been the times in the past that I've made uh, leaps and bounds and jumps. And, and I could probably do that again. And then what's the process I'm going to go through to get there. All of that stuff is very um, uh, unsurprising is maybe not the right word, but like it, it makes perfect sense in like a performance uh, process of like, how would I get there? Right. But the story Mm -hmm. part, I feel like is, that's the magic in my mind, because it's the thing that burrows through to the rat, like past all of the rational stuff, right? Like states, progress and process, those almost seem very rational. Whereas the story is the emotional connection to the performance improvements. So I really love that you've called that out. Um, and, and I really appreciate, especially anytime multiple guests come on and their stories align with one another or their ideas align.
1: I w- love that story. It's amazing. And, yeah. And I love that you called it the magic. There are some things, there isn't really magic. There is like mathematics, but, but I love the things that punch above their weight and seem like magic. And yes. your point of like story unlocks things in our brain. I also think I, I do like math. And so like compounding is magic. It looks magical when something turns around and yet we rarely see sort of what was building up to that. And, um, and again, that's why maybe having some story, particularly during that buildup time, when you don't see as much external becomes so important.
0: Amazing. Carla, I could talk to you for hours like this could be like one of those like four hour sort of things. And I'd actually love to have you back and, and talk to you again. Um, because I just I could talk about performance improvement all day long. Um it's it's one of my favorite topics, unleashing our potential, self-improvement. Uh, blending that with feeling like we're enough and and doing it for ourselves and not for somebody else, like there's there's a hundred p- paths we could go uh, there, but we only have awesome. so much time together in this episode. So to to wrap this first episode of our talks together, because I will absolutely have you back to talk more. Um, if if you were to kind of summarize what you want people to take away from this episode, so we've been here talking about a lot of different things. Um, we've touched on your story. We've touched on some of the people you work with. Your you know some of the frameworks. There's a lot in here. What would be, if you were to kind of summarize the clear takeaway from this episode, if you want someone to kind of walk away and say, this episode was about this, and this is what I got from it, what would that thing be?
1: That would be uh, number one, to give yourself the gift of thinking about what you want and create whatever you have to do to create your little magical world to, to let your brain say, okay, yeah, I hear that consideration If you don't know how, but like let's just let's just leave that. We're we're you know in this space where what we're really thinking about is is what do you want? Um, is to give ourselves more space to do that. And then the second question, the second piece, the takeaway, is just to say, I know I live in a world where everybody sprints and everyone has loves the like the flashy goal that took you know three months or the linear path to a place. But what if I gave myself the gift of having more time to get there and really kind of incorporating it instead of saying it's a goal, it's a thing I'm gonna check off um, to say, if I really, if this thing is really important to like my being, what if I gave myself some more time to do it? What would be possible? And what would be important for that? Um, Just like giving yourself the willingness to get out of that sprint mindset. Think I that love it. My take Especially
0: for those of us, those like me who are constantly moving at an enormously high speed. Uh, I appreciate the call to patience, the reminder that um, so many of the things that we've accomplished in our lives didn't happen instantly and they took time. Uh, so I appreciate the call out for that. So the, the next thing I want you to do is take a moment just to share where people can get in touch with you, where they can learn more about what you're doing, where they can find you leading the way. Where is the best place to go and connect with you?
1: Uh, The best place to keep up with um, anything I'm speaking about or sharing is probably LinkedIn. And so you can follow me there. I'm at carla Fowler, And then uh, in terms of uh, getting in touch or learning more about coaching, a great place to find me is at my website. So that is www.thaxa.com. And that's T-H-A-X-A. And so you can message me through the site. I'm always interested in folks who want to talk a little more about coaching. um, And I'm happy to connect with you there. Um, And my contact info is there as well. Uh, And uh, it's also um, a great place to sort of, if you just want to think more about a different model of coaching. um, So it's a great place with more information about my process. And uh, that's so that's the second place.
0: Fantastic. Uh, To close out, I like close out with gratitude, personally. It's a thing that I love. And I like to offer it to my guests as a a way of kind of closing out the episode. So um, I wrote a book called The Lovable Leader. I'm very, very proud of it. I love it a lot. Uh, And I feel like every time I've said that term to people, uh, it resonates in one way or another. So when I say the term lovable leader, I want you to think about someone from your life. I'm going to describe to you what a lovable leader is. And I want you to think about who that person is. And what I want to give you the opportunity to do is I'm basically going to mute myself and give you an opportunity to speak directly to them and thank them for their leadership. So here's what I mean when I say a lovable leader. It's somebody who exhibited care. It's somebody who you trusted and who in the midst of setting big goals for you and encouraging you to go and pursue big ideas made you feel safe along the way. So if you can think of anyone that, uh, that fits that bill, uh, who was a lovable leader in your life, I'd just like if you would be interested to take this time to be grateful to them for the contribution they made to you.
1: I I would love to do that. That sounds great. So um, the lovable leader I am thinking of um, is a teacher I had in middle school. Her name is Fran Call. Uh, We called her Miss Call. So uh, she had a whistle and uh, she ran a physical outdoor program that was a PE alternative. And she had us do uh, some of the most insane physical challenges uh, that would be difficult for adults. Um, you know, we, we walked 55 miles in 24 hours, uh, you know, a bunch of 12 and 13-year-olds. Uh, she would have us go on hikes, and we always had to get in the cold lake, uh, sometimes five times, you know, dunk under and then run back out and do it again. Um, but the thing that I have so much gratitude for is, uh, she truly, um, created the opportunity to find delight in physical challenge. Um, it was absolutely painful and hard, but the truth is there are many things that are painful and hard in life. And I think that meeting challenges is what makes us, um, is what also gives us some delight and some confidence and sense of self capability. And uh, she really helped me at a very early age understand what I was made of um, and how to find the edge, how to push past that edge and know that you would be okay. So uh, just a big thank you to uh, Miss Call who really had a huge impact in that early age.
0: I wanna thank my guests for coming on to Shareable to share their experience and their wisdom. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for coming back and giving us the gift of your attention. There are two questions that everyone asks themselves before sharing a piece of content. One, what does sharing this content say about me? And two, will my friends, peers, or colleagues enjoy it? Think about those questions, and if you like the answer, please consider sharing this episode on your social media or send it to someone you think would enjoy it. Remember that together, we can change the world. It starts with what we give our attention to, what we share, and spread— and what we collectively work toward. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who care, who work to build trust, and who stand for creating safety. I believe that is the key to creating a kinder, safer, and more equitable world. And if you ask me, that's an idea worth sharing. So between that and the generosity of my amazing guest, I guess the best way to describe this episode would be... shareable. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message using the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss out on my other podcast, Becoming Superhuman, which is also available as an email newsletter. Get it all at jgibbard.com. If you're looking for a book to read, may I kindly suggest Belovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. Available online wherever books are sold. And finally, if you're interested in working with me, whether it's hiring me to speak or train your organization or strategic consulting and coaching, all of that information can be found at jgibbard.com. All links can be found at the bottom of the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and please share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.